1: it's Roxanne Durhach. Thanks for tuning in again this week. Today I have a special colleague, uh, Kristen Envig, uh, here with us. She's in Switzerland and she's going to talk to us today about, about an amazing organization that she started 25 years ago. That's a Kristen, that's a long time to be dealing with women in leadership. So thanks for coming uh, coming on to have this conversation with us today.
0: Thank you, Roxanne, it's an honor to be here with you and to share my journey and to be in conversation with you as well.
1: So, you know, uh, I think uh, for the last couple of years, there's been pain points that have been highlighted that clearly, uh, globally, we need to focus on uh, certain things, obviously, um, you know, diversity and inclusion, f- um, female issues, obviously, with the lo- women uh, leaving, unfortunately, uh, Positions in droves because of the pressures that they've been under. Those types of things. I want to talk a little bit about 25 years ago. So I'm trying to think of yeah what what got you on that path. And I'm going to say that probably back then that may have been a a lonelier, quieter path with yeah. not as much knowledge back then. So what got yeah. you uh, working with women?
0: Yeah, it's, it's a it's a very interesting thing. Sometimes I'm on too, but I, I will share three sort of triggering uh, moments in my life that made me start doing this. And one was, um, I was working at, straight out of an MBA, I started working banking, the top firms and doing you know the, the, the kind of right job at the time when that was the thing to do. But working there, I felt, um, I, felt I was good at my job, technically speaking, but I found that there was something in the environment that didn't really fit. I didn't feel happy. I didn't feel I was um, thriving. And I didn't, there was something as if I wore a suit that wasn't mine that didn't fit me. Uh, So I didn't know, I couldn't pinpoint, I couldn't say why. And I didn't even think it had anything to do with gender. I thought maybe because I was young, uh, it was difficult to be heard. Maybe because I was a foreigner, uh, I wasn't listened to, there were many things I had in my mind. Now, um, I left at a certain point reading Pinkola Este's book on women running with wolves and the ugly duckling, which is the story of H.C. Anderson. And then I realized, aha, that story of an ugly duckling who suddenly realized he was or she was a swan. But that's me. So the power of context, of being in a place, in a culture, in a corporate culture, that made me feel like an ugly duckling uh, was very powerful, and I realized that wow, if I am in another context where I'm more seen, heard, valued, and even felt, I can be who I really am—a swan playing with other swans and making beauty in the world. You know, something—I'm—you know—something I'm, I'm, you know, something like that. And then um, I quit, and I got a job kind of fast. Um, someone was looking for teachers to teach marketing in Eastern Europe. And I had, that was my specialization in school. And this was this European Union funded project to make Eastern Europe get into market economy. So I I was was jumping on this project and I went to many countries, including Russia, Bulgaria, Latvia, Lithuania, traveled around the world. And it was on these trips that I realized that um, these bright women didn't always have the same choices as me. And I mean, I've been to Latin America, I've been to Africa, I've been all over. And and as a Norwegian woman, I grew up in such egalitarian and such possibilities. I traveled because I wanted to travel. I got educated. The state gives you support. There's, I had all the choices. Or at least I thought so. I also realized I had to work with myself. But there was something that triggered me one time. I was was in, in, in some little town in Russia and all the women wanted to get out of there and, and they didn't want to be there. I thought, oh, why, why, why? And I started to, to reflect and, and back in Milan where I lived at that time, I was very active in a women's network, which I love because that's where it was, became my family, my community and living away from my home country Norway at the time, I was like so happy with that family feeling and that networking and that helping each other. So one day I thought, let's do something to, for the women. And how about an event where we, where we discuss the big picture of things, the world, you know, to make it easier for all women? Because I have experienced that not all women had choice. And then also, let's look at the workplace. So we are all in a context where we can try, because my experience had been it wasn't always like that. And then at an individual level, let's help each other, let's network, let's create communities and let's keep learning. So these are sort of the three background moments that started me, but it was really like, oh, let's do one, it was a one-off event and it was very impactful and people wanted it again. And then a lady from IBM was sitting next to me and she said, oh, next time, if you do it again, I can give you the venue. Somebody else came in, I can sponsor you the coffee. So it started very much as a, kitchen operation as a voluntary thing and it continued like that for quite a while until it got too big and we had had to transform it into something more professional but um, yeah so
1: i think naturally that women i think and it's because we're the way we're socialized we have that innate capacity to just be around each other and, and connect at a profound level. Yeah. And with transformational leadership, what we know is that women bring that to the fore they, they bring yeah. that. And sometimes intuitively they're not even aware that they're doing that. So it sounds like what you did was you kind of recognized, wow, this is a nice space. And I've been, I was in corporate for 25 years. Oh, yeah. And a lot of times, you, you, you know, there's this prickliness, prickliness that comes with being in corporate. And as a woman, and I was in my 20s, you, you just kind of keep pushing through, right? Like, yeah. well, if, that's probably not because I'm a woman, but, you, you know, you try to maybe make up some ideas why potentially you might be being treated this way. Absolutely. And we're talking 25 years ago. Absolutely. Yeah, I know. And today, we we openly talk about mentors, mentees, you know, you know, all these concepts like a lie ship. So we've come a vast, we've, we've had a vast voyage and I can see how wind would have been a part of that process in your early years. What were some of the, the limitations that you came up against with having people recognize authentic female leadership?
0: Yeah. Um, yeah, there were many challenges. First of all, and for me, it was also difficult to be young. Um, but then I realized it can be anything. Because later in life, it can be even difficult that you're older. So whatever excuse it is out there. But, it, but I, I did have that as, um, as a challenge, this thing of being uh, young. I brought with me people that were older at me at meetings, just telling them not to talk because maybe they didn't know what they were going to say, but they looked older. So I tried to bring some, I had this particular person with me to a lot of meetings. Um, when it comes to authenticity, I thought that was very interesting. So I started a whole exploration on authenticity. And today also the whole win organization has a tagline, a leadership journey, because I've seen that at an individual level, so many of all have of work to explore who am I? What is my authentic self? And how can I contribute with the with the uniqueness of me? And then I noticed that many women around the whole planet are part of doing that too. So it's also a collective of rising of women uh, longing at least to be more authentic. And, but what I saw that was so difficult is that this corporate Um, cultures or even even political cultures even in society there's so many systems that are being designed the whole architecture of our societies and particularly many cultures are made by this sort of uh, masculine or the masculine way of thinking and and uh, even women we have grown up in these cultures and believing too that this is okay and it's the way it's supposed to be so only when we start exploring who am i and learning about more the feminine masculine balance the yin yang do we start thinking oh yeah maybe there is another way so the challenges i think have been on many levels one in society level but two also um being for my generation, at least amongst the early people starting this exploration. I think, Roxanne, you also have been amongst the early ones. So when you started that work early, there were few other people understanding what I was talking about. So then even the women themselves could be a hinder somehow because they were also very keen on being accepted into the corporate cultures, into the political cultures instead of uh, trying to stake out their own way. And of course, I've learned that we we need to balance it a little bit because we need to also fit in a little bit and then slowly start changing. This this balance, but this consciousness, this awareness about what's going on is what's really, really important.
1: I found that sometimes female executives um, in my early career were sometimes the most difficult colleagues to find my grounding with. And at at times, you know, the male colleagues were actually easier to kind of accept you um, into that space. And so definitely I know now with um, younger female uh, leaders, they're they're constantly looking at sponsorship and how they can assist. So it's it's such a refreshing um, space now, you know, like you said, with the newer generation to look at them and go, and then when they openly say, how can I, how can I help Um, in the different, uh, you know, masterminds or Forbes where I'm involved with, and you will openly hear female CEOs start talking about, you know, their, their real journey, not the journey that the public sees, but they will openly talk about, you know, when I started my business or when I sat on that board and, and and so it's, you know, it's, it's interesting. So back, you know, in the nineties, when I was in corporate, you're, you're quite literally keeping so much in because you're trying to not show that vulnerability because yeah. the perception and sometimes the reality is if yeah. you were too vulnerable it means you couldn't handle it yeah and and the you know the doors that should have been open for you sometimes got shut because of that space so yeah, yeah. you know yeah. now when you think about that right like and kind of where we're at how is it that you think corporates um, or different environments with female leaders are accepting that element of vulnerability?
0: Yeah. So, since the early start, when we were sort of preaching that at the WIN conference, um, and when it was in a way a complete revolution, right? It was a revolution. And I feel like WIN was also pioneering a lot of these things because it was even before Renee Brown and everybody. So, now when you have thousands of people having read, or millions, Rene Brown on vulnerability. Uh, and this is a corporate text, let's say. Um, one be- would believe that now, in corporate, uh, one is more open to it. Um, it's hard to see. I think we are in this incredible shift. Because I meet and I work because conference Participant, many, many are coming in from corporations. So I meet these amazing humans that are open, vulnerable on their authentic path, and they work in corporate. And at the same time, in the same corporations, you still have some who are playing with the and, you know, taking advantage, doing political, you know. So I think at the moment you have this both and we see that also outside in society, uh it's a it's a it's an incredible group of people now they're becoming more conscious, more heart-based and more authentic. Mm-hmm. And the other part is also still there. So um so I think it's very exciting what's happening on the one side now with all these amazing people coming up and who are I think COVID played a big role this lockdown now you can use different language that before weren't even accepted. But, but the other part is still there too so so it's it's um yeah the contrast is 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 getting wider but i do have a lot of hope that that it's still possible
1: so you have still have that juxtaposition but yeah. we've we've so far we've come so far along
0: yeah so
1: what i'm curious about is for emerging leaders yeah there, i would say for emerging female leaders my i would yes. say you're in the right time right yeah yes <laughs> um, yeah. you can you can kind of strategically plan where you want to be yeah yes however however in certain sectors we can agree that that divide is still exists
0: yes it does
1: so let's say you're a female emerging leader and you're you know you've kind of have a, a good kind of tenure behind you but you're looking to Go forward, And maybe you're going into, uh, you know, an, an arena that is maybe more, like you said, um, for, with the male concept of leadership. What kind of things might you can suggest that these female leaders think about as they approach those environments versus deterring away from them altogether?
0: Yes. Yeah, so if you choose to be there and plan to be there, I think it's... Um... I think it's a great opportunity in one way to learn about how those environments were and be very aware uh, of ring fencing, so to speak, time to reflect and to take care of yourself. Mm-hmm. I noticed myself when I was in, in a very pushy environment in a bank where everything was very fast. I remember my husband at the time telling me how rude I'd become. I'm not like, really? Yeah, so it was on the paid floor, and you're, you know, yeah. and I didn't notice I had become like that, and and uh, so I think that you have to be very alert and awake to the power of culture and context. So, and and using this boat now. Learn to play, learn to be gender bilingual, as my friend Aviva Wittenberg Cox always says. Like, we can learn the male way, we can learn the feminine way, and and be whole human beings that can play on both fronts. So, that's one thing we can do. And then the second thing we can do, or this, yeah, or a woman now on her way up can do, is also to understand that. Not one, not everything is about gender. So bad things that happen is maybe nothing to do with her being a woman. But also that some bad things that happen might have to do with gender and not with her personally. Because there are a lot of women, particularly young women, who think it's something wrong with them at an individual level. And they don't realize it's the whole system. Mm. It's It's a systemic discrimination and it could be the systemic culture, the systemic way of of making decisions is a systemic and that they need to be awake to in order not to blame themselves. Um, So it's again, it's two things, but there are also women who say, you know, I cannot join this board because I'm a woman. Uh, Are you qualified? You know, you also have to. It's not only about gender. It's not only about our various diversities and it is also about that. So it's uh, interesting
1: so to have an objective lens really and 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 to look at yourself and say you know what are my strengths what are my limitations um yeah. what are what are the realities of this bureaucratic potential yeah. structure that i'm wanting to enter
0: yeah. um
1: and to really I, I you know in my new book ror i talk a little bit about you know assessing your own skills as a, an authentic heart leader really yeah. and we all you know as human beings, we love to look at our our strengths, but we, you know, the, I I believe the um, gift is in looking at your limitations and recognizing those things and figuring out, you know, what steps do I need? And then also, who do I need to uh, surround myself with in order to get these skills too? And sometimes it may be a male colleague. that I I know, know,
0: it's also that, you know, and uh, there was also something else that came to mind just before, and that is, that there's many, many, many women now who are extremely well educated. So young women do all over the world, uh, at least in countries where you get access to education and so on, they do well at school, they get good grades, we have higher and higher education. So, And then we start working, many women start working, and it's still about sort of doing the excellent job to get the good grade, to... And, and we have to be careful, so it's not too much about pleasing, in the hope of being one day recognized for that good girl. So this is—I mean, I fell in that. There's a lot of people I know. And then years later, you're like exhausted and burned out. And and so I don't know how to how to get the younger women to 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 pick that up. But it's an important part of um, yeah this perfection and perfectionism. This being
1: something I think I that, I you know, the Gen Zs and the Gen Xers are more coming from the space of value alignment. I could say yeah. that, you know, a lot of female leaders at my time, we were on that treadmill. Absolutely. Right. And but now I when I meet younger female leaders, they'll say, you know, when I go for a situation or a, a, an interview, I'm looking for what where's that value alignment with me? Mm-hmm and this is so cool now and this right, is, you know earlier and you know i'm thinking when i started my career i was like okay well i know i want to get so which hoops do i have to jump through to get that and i'm just going to get it done and now when i'm talking to like younger female leaders they're like well i want to see what they're doing with the environment or in fact i'd like to see um you know how my leadership story which i'm you know i'm talking to maybe somebody in their 20s and they're talking about their leadership story which is really refreshing to hear because i'm thinking I'm looking at a lot of female leaders that are older that are now figuring out what their I leadership a, story was, even though they've been embodying it all along. So I think it's in generationally there is, I have experienced that I'm sure you have too. They're coming from a, a place of strength that says, I bring these things, uh, I'm a female. Um, however, I recognize there's limitations but it's not about me. The ones that have done a bit of, you know, coaching and awareness and, you know, an awareness is such the gift that I think, um, you know, now it's kind of a bit of a given, right. You, you just have the mentor, you, you know, you do your coaching, you have that awareness and you look at yourself holistically versus before it was kind of like, how am I going to fit into this role? And, you know, what am I going to do to morph myself? Yeah. 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 You know, this was such a great interview that we decided to turn it into a two-part series. Be sure to tune in next week for part two so you don't miss out on the amazing content.
0: Thanks for tuning in to Authentic Living with Roxanne, creating the space for positive, healthy change. Roxanne is a keynote speaker, psychotherapist, and coach. To work with Roxanne, visit roxanderhaj.com blueprint. We'll see you next time on Authentic Living with Roxanne.